This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halos. Between being on Zoom calls all day, having to wear a mask everywhere, and now using your eyes and your eyes only to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite line of brow products that are so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, you can have the most amazing brows ever. They have an amazing range of products from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, and gels. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I'll Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Well, I have to start this one with a quick correction and apology. Okay. Because listener Emily wrote in that as of early 2019, singer Sam Smith identifies as non-binary, and I use the incorrect pronouns in our Goodbye 2010s episode. I did not know that. And appreciate the correction because it's super important to get right. And that's what we're talking about today, pronouns. So thanks, Emily, and I'm really sorry for getting that wrong. Oh, yes. Way to look out. Yeah. Some of the stuff we're going to be talking about in this one relates to our episodes that we did around sexism and language, a lot of stuff actually, and our more recent episode on what's in a name. If you want to do some follow-up listening also, I I don't have any doubt that we'll return to this because right. there are so much amazing writing and things changing as we record this. Right, and one of the reasons we wanted to talk about it is because of some of the pushback about the fact that it is changing so quickly and people are recognizing beyond just the he or she. And that's so important that we get this correct. And and as a person who is coming into my 40s, you know, change is hard. (laughs) It can be, yeah. But it's not about you, so get it together. (laughs) Um, So, yes, we're talking about pronouns. And, of course, as per usual, we're going to give a definition. Yeah. The dictionary definition of pronouns is a word that can function by itself as a noun phrase, and that refers either to participants in the discourse, e.g. IU, or to someone or something mentioned else in the discourse. Again, she, it, they, this. Pronouns can be singular, plural, possessive, reciprocal, personal, reflective, demonstrative, indefinite, relative, interrogative. Essentially, they can serve a lot of functions in our language, and we can use them for all kinds of things. Yeah, after... As, as listeners who heard that sexism in language episode know, I'm a huge language nerd. I love it. Yes. Um, and after I read this definition, every time I used a pronoun, I had a moment of, there's one. Yeah, right. <laughs> when you start really listening for it, and you, you kind of have to stop and correct yourself. It, like, Let's not assume. It's they. Just yes. go with they. Yes. Because that is one that we're talking about in particular today. Right. They, which has fairly recently been used as a non-binary gender-neutral pronoun for those that don't identify with he or she, while the singular pronoun use of they has been around in the English language for over 600 years, since at least the 1300s, and this is around the same time she came into use, it was discouraged in the 1800s to use it that way, largely replaced by the masculine he, which of course... Going back to sexism and language, right. uh, goes back to the assumption that the masculine is neutral, the norm, and anything else is a deviation from that. And we still see this all 
the time and words like businessman, fisherman, the argument was that plural pronoun they can't refer to singular antecedent, a singular antecedent, even though that's basically what you, the word you, did. That doesn't mean that people stopped using they as a singular pronoun altogether. Jane Austen Mm -hmm. used it in her works, for instance. But it wasn't super common. Right. A contributor for the New Bedford Medley condescendingly corrected three women for using the singular they in an essay that appeared in the paper previously. He said that such a mistake did quote, no honor to themselves or the female sex in general. And the women clapped back that they did it on purpose to conceal their gender. And if you don't like it, why don't you come up with your own pronouns? Boom. Boom. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Feminists have long pushed for gender-neutral language. As the women's rights movement gained momentum in the 19th century, so too did the call for what they called common gender pronouns. This was part of an effort to keep he from becoming the generic pronoun. In 1884, C.C. Converse coined and popularized thon, that and one combined, which referred to all genders. People were talking about it all over this country, but it had a pretty short lifespan. And this definitely wasn't the first attempt at filling the need for a gender-neutral pronoun. In 1789, William H. Marshall wrote about O that meant he, she, it in his mind. In 1789, William H. Marshall wrote about O that meant he, she, it. Apparently some people were using that. The lack of mention to O after that, though, indicates it also died out Soon after, in 1912, superintendent and president of the National Education Association, Ella Flagg Young, made headlines and drew audible gasps during a speech to school principals when she used neutral pronouns that she claimed she invented. He-er, him-er, his-er, and his-ers. A Chicago man named Fred S. Pond fired back, claiming that these were his idea in a 1911 letter to the Mansfield, Ohio News Journal. Young confessed that, yes, it, they were his idea. <laughs> Pond explained he invented them because the use of they was what he called an error, and he or she, too awkward. <laughs> so the lack of gender-neutral pronouns have come up in several legal cases. The Maryland Supreme Court ruled in 1886 that the use of he in a state statute around bar admission did in fact encompass only males, and women therefore were not allowed to practice law. Similarly, in 1916, a group of experts argued that women could not serve in Congress due to the use of he in a specific part of the Constitution. Their argument didn't fly. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. And that year, Janet Rankin out of Montana was the first woman elected to the House of Representatives. Although in many ways a reclaiming of the word's history, this modern usage of they as a non-binary singular pronoun is relatively new, born out of necessity, a way to somewhat satisfy societal shifts since English does not have a gender-neutral pronoun. It also points to issues stemming from the gender binary and how it leaves so many people out. Now, though, they has gone mainstream. And we'll get into that after a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Chinet. The Chinet brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness. Yes, and right now that is more important than ever, especially when we're all apart. So recently I had a group and we had a a socially distanced 
barbecue where the host drew out circles and chalk that were six feet apart. And everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages. And it was really convenient to have disposable products. And we we just had a, a lovely conversation. Um, it was really fun. Yeah. And I'm with the disposable products, I know that the China brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before, that let you enjoy every moment of the get-togethers and traditional or now not. And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. Chinette products are available wherever you buy groceries, including delivery or pickup. Got to tell you about Best Fiends. It's the game pretty much everybody's talking about. Morgan number two plays it sometimes before we start the show. You know, it really challenges your brain with the fun puzzles, but it's also a very casual game, so it won't stress you out which is perfect these days, right? What's great is you can use the game as a way to connect with your friends and your family all while social distancing. The game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. It's five-star rated with over 100 million downloads, thousands of fun levels, and tons of characters to collect. You know, there are new in-game challenges and events every month, so the game's always fresh. You'll never be bored with it. You can even play the game without using Wi-Fi. So here we go. You don't want to miss out on the game. Join millions of Americans and a lot of us here on the show who are already playing this fun puzzle game. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play today. Just go over there, hit download Best Fiends for free, Apple App Store or Google Play. That's Friends Without the R, Best Fiends. Check it out. I do think you'll like it. Friends Without the R, Best Fiends. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. At the end of 2019, the American Dialect Society, the ADS, chose, quote, my pronouns, as in my pronouns are she, her, as their word of the year. And this is something you've probably seen a lot of in social media bios. And bios in general are email signatures on pins at conferences. I have a lot of those. Mm -hmm. It's a way to get that established right off the bat. Sometimes officially referred to as preferred gender pronouns, but most people say that term implies using the correct pronouns for someone is optional, so kind of frowned upon to to call them preferred pronouns. Um, And this shone a light on the fact that pronouns aren't always obvious and shouldn't be assumed. The ADS went even further and named the singular gender-neutral pronoun they as the word of the decade. They had previously been named their word of the year in 2015. Pretty big. So cisgender, meaning you identify with the sex you were assigned at birth, is now also referred to as chromosomal female or AFAB, assigned female at birth. Trans asterisk is sometimes used to refer to all non-cisgendered identities. Vagina gets in the language evolution game too. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> at Columbia, the vagina monologue was replaced with beyond sisterhood. Yeah. <laughs> but back to they. From Ben Zimmer, the Wall Street Journal's language columnist and chair of the ADS's New Words Committee, he said of the choice, when a basic part of speech like the pronoun becomes a vital indicator of social trends, linguists pay attention. The selection of my pronouns of word of the year speaks to how the personal expression of gender identity has become an increasing part of our shared discourse. That trend is also reflected in singular they being chosen as a word of the decade, with a growing recognition of the use of they for those whose identities don't conform to the binary of he or she. Zimmer also went on to say, 
you're getting into issues of transcending the gender binary. This is getting used as a pronoun that people take for themselves to express gender fluidity or transgender identity. That's relatively new or at least new in the public eye. Just just for fun, right. uh, runners-up for their, their word of the year included OK Boomer and Cancel. <laughs> oh, we're so cool. We are a teeny bit on trend for once. <laughs> and also Karen. Oh, yeah. sorry, Karens. Mm-hmm. The ADS wasn't the only one reading the signs of they's importance. Merriam-Webster's also named they as their word of the year. According to their data, searches on their site about the word they soared 313% in 2019 as compared to 2018. Wow. Giant jump. Yeah. They officially added the singular pronoun definition to their website in September 2019, a single person whose gender identity is non-binary. Facebook offers 56 gender options in the United States, and according to one survey, over half of millennials don't think gender is limited to male and female. Over a third of Gen Z knows a non-binary person, which is huge. Which is huge. The American Psychological Association now endorses using they when someone's gender is unknown in scholarly writing and publications and when the expressed preferred pronoun of a known person is they. Emily Ayubi, director of APA Style, said of the recommendations, we wanted to be sure that our entire community knows that we see you, we hear you, and we value you, and that they wanted to ensure that everyone across the academy is using affirming and inclusive language. Ayubi added, we feel that it's important for all readers to see themselves in academic works. Yeah. Which is very important. Very. And they are not alone in doing this. In 2015, the Washington Post officially accepted they as the pronoun of choice. The Associated Press did the same for what they called limited cases in 2017. Even companies are updating their policies, some more successfully than others. Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs issued an announcement to their employees in 2019 that read, Proactively share your pronouns to foster an environment of respect and awareness. Example, hi, I'm Karen. My pronouns are she, hers. Welcome to the team. California, New York, and Washington, D.C. are in the process of updating identification cards with the gender option of X. In New York, referring to someone by the wrong pronouns falls under anti-discrimination law. Mm-hmm. I was at a CVS a few years back, and I did the you know generic, hi, how's your day? Uh, with the cashier, and they said, I wish my manager would let us put our pronouns on our name tags. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And also, we're not really talking about this today, but there's so much. When you think about the binary, you could talk about the the gender-neutral bathroom conversation, changing rooms, so much. So many other things. Yeah. That should be talked about. Absolutely. So they isn't the only non-binary pronoun in the mix. Some use Z, Z Z-E, and here, H-I-R. MX in written form. According to a professor who specializes in the history of English language, Dennis Barron, a.k.a. Dr. Grammar, over 100 pronouns have been invented or repurposed in our history and modernly. That is a lot. That's a lot of options. And, of course, there has been pushback with some people arguing it's grammatically incorrect, which is not really true, and others, particularly conservatives, ridiculing the whole thing. Of course. Take Toronto professor Jordan Peterson, who in 2016 said, I don't recognize another person's right to determine what pronouns I use to address them. Which is a statement in itself. I use to address them. It's kind of like, so you're choosing to oppress them. Yeah. Because you feel uncomfortable or you feel entitled to do so. I mean, language definitely can and has been a tool of oppression. I've definitely seen more and more on Twitter if... If there's some kind of political controversy or if there's some backlash about the left and the right, 
the first thing that gets attacked if someone has the preference. Oh, yeah. And that's the first thing. They're like, oh, I see. I see you do this. Da, da, da. Oh, so yeah. automatic jump into ridiculing that, which right. has nothing to do with the conversation. Right. A transgender teacher in Florida was removed after requesting that students use the pronoun they for them or MX. And a couple of years ago, the Tennessee legislator passed a law forbidding any taxpayer money be spent on pronouns in response to the University of Tennessee's diversity office suggesting that teachers ask students preferred pronoun, which is really sad. Yeah. The article I read about it from Dr. Grammer, aforementioned Dr. Grammer. He said, it, which brings the question, how much does the pronoun cost? Right. That was a really good article. We do have some other languages we want to talk about and some more stuff in English. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So we know, listeners, it's been rough for a lot of people out there, and we've been very open about our experiences with therapy and how it's been so helpful for us in the past and in the present. And because of that, we wanted to highlight a service that we think might be of help to you all, BetterHelp, which offers licensed online counselors who are trained to listen and to help. You can talk with your counselors in a private online environment at your own convenience from wherever you're comfortable. And BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas. They can give you access to help that might not be available in your area. And you just have to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then get matched with a counselor in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is an affordable option and our listeners get 10% off your first month with a discount code MOMSTUFF. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash MomStuff. That's BetterHelp.com slash MomStuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help. This episode of Stuff I Never Told You is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a lot different than most. We're staying at home for the most part, and many events we usually look forward to are canceled. We find ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players ages 10 and up, although many younger kids can play with initial adult guidance. It's a great way to keep families engaged and off screens, even if it is just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. Unlike the roll your dice, move your mice games, this is a little different. What are your experiences? The first time I played Catan was at our office game night, and it was so fun. It was quick to pick up. It was easy. It was social. We made it really competitive because we're a competitive group, but you don't have to. And what I thought was just going to be a, a short game among friends turned into an epic game night that we shall remember forever. <laughs> hours we played, hours. And uh, yes, I lost, but I had fun. You had fun. <laughs> well, obviously, it keeps you really social. And like you said, it is really easy to pick up, which is really nice right now. This year is the 25th anniversary of Catan. Get Catan at catanshop.com slash mom. Listeners of the podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So some languages have even more to untangle than we do in this journey to becoming more inclusive in our language. Some languages don't have words for gay or transgender at all. Also, some languages don't really need them. Right. Uh, Generally, there are three main types of languages. Natural gender, which is a term some have deemed in itself problematic, where objects don't have gender, but people do, and English is an example of that. So is Swedish. 
Gendered languages like German, French, or Spanish in which objects and people get genders. So if you say the table, the table has a gender. And then genderless, where no nouns are gendered, like Chinese and Finnish. And this confused me quite a bit when I first started learning Mandarin. Like we talked about in our sexism and language episodes, some languages have gendered verbs. And even in the case of gender-neutral pronouns, like it in English or s in German, those we don't use those to designate people. It'd be pretty offensive if you did right. currently. Currently, yeah. But English is not the only language evolving. A few years ago, the Swedish Academic Dictionary accepted a gender-neutral pronoun, hen, H-E-N, which actually was coined in the 1960s, but fell out of fashion until the 2000s. A study conducted soon after with 2,000 Swedish participants where they were asked to describe kind of a cartoony stick figure with either the Swedish version of he, she, or the new gender-neutral pronoun, and the participants overwhelmingly used the gender-neutral option. And in a separate but related study, participants widely used the gender-neutral pronouns in stories wherein the gender of the characters were not specified. New words like this are not only powerful for those that are non-binary, but also for society as a whole when it comes to acceptance and accepting. Right. And this all kind of got started after a, a children's book came out using the, the gender-neutral uh, pronoun. And, of course, there was... Oh, think of the children. But other people were like, oh, yeah, let's do that. It's beautiful. Let's do this. Yeah. And to go off of, like, the power of language, as we said in our Sexism and Language podcast, some researchers believe our language structures influences and determines what and how you think in many ways. And one of my favorite drunken topics of discussion is how that impacts science fiction and the power of science fiction to challenge those limitations. Because if you're describing worlds that are not our own, and I believe Octavia Butler mm-hmm. has a famous example of she she was saying, I couldn't, there was no word to describe the gender of what I was creating. Right. So I love, that's one thing I love. If I get drunk, I'm sure you'll get it, you'll get it one day, Samantha. <laughs> Surprised I haven't already. I am too. I have too much to talk about with Alien and Spider-Verse, <laughs> different things. Um, and yeah, yeah, there was some backlash to this in Sweden. One newspaper even went so far to ban the use of hen. Mm. Yeah. All right, so let's look at some other specific examples. So in Spanish, two popular options to indicate all genders are at or the at sign or X, like Latinx. It hasn't come easily. Some view it as an imposition by American Spanish speakers, which, okay. Non-binary folks in Chile combined the masculine and feminine pronouns to create the new pronoun LA. Some young folks in Argentina have started pushing for gender-neutral ending E as opposed to the O, masculine O, or the feminine A. Yes. And then in France in 2017, the first ever textbook promoting a version of the French language that was gender-neutral, it was based on 10 recommendations from from 2015 from the High Council for Gender Equality, came out. And as you may know... I certainly do. Mm, I <laughs> the do French are very protective of their language, and this drew some backlash. They deliberate on this. Right. And the highest authoritative body on the French language, the French Academy, Academie Francaise, warned this would lead to what they called, quote, a disunited language disparate in its expression, creating a confusion that borders on illegibility. And faced with this inclusive aberration, the French language is now in mortal danger, a fact for which our nation is now accountable to future generations. 
And it didn't end there. It went on to say that this would ruin the francophonie or the linguistic zone of the countries that use French at the administrative level around the world and or a majority of people speak French. In 2006, a famous academy member condemned, quote, absurd feminations being proposed in Quebec, blaming the, quote, women's leagues in the United States. That's us, Samantha. Oh, no. <laughs> We're behind this. Oh, no. I think I was quite young in 2006, but I was already messing up the language. I was not that long. Yeah. <laughs> People complained that introducing gender-neutral language would complicate education, that it would mess up their language in general. Prime Minister Edouard Philippe's office banned all use of gender-neutral pronouns on official government documents soon after. Opposition articles ran with titles like Feminism, the Delirium of Inclusive Writing, and Inclusive Writing, the New Factory for Idiots, with little asterisks in between the E and S, which is ridiculing the proposed use of asterisks to combine case endings. So a lot of work to be done there, <laughs> everywhere. I'm not specifically calling out France, but <laughs> the German language is one that faces many challenges in this regard, too. The grammatical gender for every single word must match for all four cases, which means new pronoun, new conjugation. Some Germans have started using gender-neutral nouns, a practice that is becoming more and more common in official settings. Hanover became the first city to mandate that official communication use gender-neutral nouns in 2019. Some use an asterisk, or gender star, some people call it, to indicate that they do not identify as either male or female. The University of Leipzig implemented what they called generic feminism, where feminine pronouns were used to represent all genders as a way of highlighting the historic use of the generic masculine. Hmm. I also studied German and also struggled with all of this. Dative! Damn you, dative. That? That's an inside joke oh. for any people who have studied German or I speak I do not it. know this. So, in Arabic, the masculine form is the default. But in recent years, there's been a push to adopt dual pronouns that refer to both masculine and feminine. Others are choosing to default the feminine to call attention to the patriarchy. Smart. <laughs> the non-binary Hebrew project is striving to create a third gender-neutral pronoun. And then Esperanto is also working on a gender-neutral pronoun, something that has been in the works for years. Yes. And we still have a lot of work to do. They isn't perfect. One study found that almost 70% of English speakers associated they with masculine. However, another study found that when asked to name famous television personalities, French participants named more women when the question was phrased more inclusively and less gendered, although in either case, they still named more men. Huh. A 2012 study found a possible link between gendered grammar and a lower labor rate participation among women. In 2017, linguist Raphael Haddad and his firm published an online manual on inclusive writing aimed at companies and institutions, which in his mind, it would go a long way in combating gender inequality. The 2016 French version of Microsoft Word in the company's words, I quote, targets gendered language, which may be perceived as excluding, dismissive, or stereotypes, and encourages gender-inclusive options. Wait, so do they... So it's like a little squiggle. I was going to say, does it pop up? uh, Okay. This is too gendered. I don't know. That's what I think. Oh, that's interesting. I kind of want to look at one of those. A 2016 survey called Bucking the Linguistic Binary 
gender-neutral language in English, Swedish, French, and German found 30% of the transgender monolingual respondents did not feel English gender-neutral language allowed them to correctly express their identity. One respondent wrote, When I was using gender-neutral pronouns in English, it was almost impossible to get anyone who wasn't in the queer community to use they for me consistently. This was at an early stage of me asking them not to use she, the pronoun I was assigned at birth. So I think people were still getting used to the idea of any pronoun other than she for me. But I had the impression that people outside the queer world, not LGBT, but queer as in challenging gender binaries, had an even harder time with the idea of a gender-neutral pronoun than with the idea of someone crossing gender lines, i.e. requesting he instead of she. So people would default to she, which was unbearable to me. So he felt a lot safer to me since it was farther away from they and easier for people to wrap their minds around. The study also found almost 50% of respondents preferred gender-neutral forms of address, so no Mr., Mrs., Miss. You know, I even find that weird to have, like, the M-I-S-S and M-R-S and M-S. The whole thing feels weird. So I do M-S and then realize later people are like, you know, they think you're divorced. And I'm like, well, son of a bitch. (laughs) Yeah, it's a mess, and I'm not really sure why we need it. I don't either. But Mm, anyway. Whatever. Russian blogger Polina Ravyuk wrote in an email about this issue, quote, We don't have a gender-neutral pronoun for people. Agender people use feminine or masculine pronouns according to their personal preference. There can also be situations where a woman can refer to herself in the masculine way, grammatically, and vice versa. It's worth noting that the issue isn't widely discussed yet in Russia because, in my opinion, society isn't ready to accept gender on a spectrum. Homosexual propaganda is still a finable offense in the Russian Federation. So that's worth keeping in mind, too, right. that... These battles are in all kinds of different stages right. all I mean, over the world. People are still being arrested. Yeah. Genderless languages uh, with ungendered pronouns do make things a lot easier, but they can have their own drawbacks. Some words are sort of stealth gendered, and those things can be difficult to correct without a gendered pronoun. For example, if, if everyone assumes, if you say lawyer and everyone assumes lawyer is men and you don't have a gendered pronoun to say she is a lawyer, right. can be tricky. Right. A lot of pieces we read suggested introducing yourself with your gender pronouns if you feel comfortable doing so, and that having it on your bio is a good thing. And our language, remember, continues to evolve. Yeah, as as we said at the top, so much is happening right now. I have to ask a lot of youngins, what does this mean? (laughs) It's true. (laughs) True. But you got to stay up to date. (laughs) Right. When Sam Smith officially updated their pronouns on social media in September 2019, they wrote, I understand there will be many mistakes in misgendering, but all I ask is you please, please try. I hope you can see me like I see myself now. And yeah, to not do so is disrespectful and harmful when it comes to things like gender dysphoria and exhausting for people to explain, like we talked about around dead naming in our What's in a Name episode. So yes, this is all super important, and I'm sorry again, I got it wrong. I'm going to try harder to get it right, just like we all should. Right, I know I struggle still going back because I will say she or he, and then I'll stop myself mm-hmm. very obviously and say they mm-hmm. because I'm trying to get into that swing and understanding this is really problematic and offensive, and I don't want to be one more person that causes trauma yeah. for those who's already experienced way too much trauma mm-hmm. than necessary. Yeah, yeah. So exciting. Times and I, I feel like people think language is this dead thing, but it's alive and it evolves Obviously. and it reflects so much of who we are. And for a lot of things, I just can't keep up. <laughs> but for the important things, we do. Yes. Yes. And we would love to hear 
your thoughts around all of this, any resources that you'd like to send our way, please do. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You or on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Thanks as always to our still missing super producer, Andrew Howard. Gone again. (laughs) And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi, I'm Allie Wentworth. How do I grow a teenager in a pandemic? Well, that's exactly what I want to find out. In my new podcast, Go Ask Allie, I'm asking experts to help me answer that question. For example, are quarantine teenage girls more apt to Instagram nude photos? Are they somehow going to end up on the dark web? Are teenagers getting ripped off by their new virtual education? And how do we deal with their overwhelming anxiety and uncertainty? And are they losing empathy? I'll be talking to experts and friends like my friend Brooke Shields. She'll reveal how her complicated sexual upbringing has influenced how she is as a mother to teenage girls. It's a new world, and how we raise these young humans in it determine our future. So let's share some real experiences with all new episodes releasing every other Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Allie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. In this time of pandemic and revolution, do you find yourself frustrated at high levels of corruption and inequality, at our inability to get basic things done, at the persistence of systemic racism? You're not alone. I'm Baratunde Thurston, author, activist, and comedian. Our democratic experiment is at a tipping point, but which way we tip is up to us. Listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.